it was at that moment of like desperation of, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is not working. That I came across Brad, who we talk about in the book, who was this humble leader. And he lived out leadership in a way that I had not seen it done before and got better results than I could have imagined, despite the fact that he also didn't have a ton of experience in the sport. And so that was like what I needed in that moment to say, oh my gosh, wow, this this is a new way that I need to be considering. And so had I not been at that sp spot of desperation, I probably would have ignored it. But because I was so hungry, that helped me start this journey of, of obsession with humble leadership, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Raines. Culture happens. If you're not building it, someone else is. Successful leaders make building healthy culture a priority. Meet other leaders who are building a culture where people want to stay and know how to win together. Hey, Josh, welcome to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I'm excited to have you today and just get to know a little bit more, more about you and your book, Humbler Leadership. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay. Glad to be here. So Josh, you and I have known each other for a few years. We met, I guess, uh, more than 20 years ago. And then later, I was just like, I was on LinkedIn and I, I see your name and and it had this little PhD behind your name, I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this the Josh I know? And so all of a sudden we were able to get connected and kind of, and, and now you're serving on our team. So thanks for helping our team also, along with all the other stuff you have going on, but it was good to reconnect after so many years. Well, I'm grateful that your memory is not that good from when you knew me in middle school, because I don't think that uh, you probably would have hired me back then. But hey, you know, we all mature and grow, right? <laughs> hey, there were some years between there and plenty of time for yeah growth. And at that time, you weren't even on the six-man football team yet. So, right, that, that you played some six-man football in high school, isn't that I right? Did. I did. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. And uh, yeah, I think you... We knew each other. I was in middle school and I was just getting into to football for the first time. Isn't that funny? It's such a small town there in central Texas where I met you and your family. And what a lot of people, I mean, there are probably a lot of people listening to this that are thinking, what in the world is six man football? But <laughs> here, here's how I describe six. And you can, you've played it. I haven't. I've just watched it. So to me, six man football is like, it's the it's the speed of soccer, but with a football and you're throwing it and doing all the football moves, but you just don't have a lot. There's not like a defensive line. It's all just running. Is, is that a good description? Yeah, it's uh, I, people have described it as like basketball on a field because the scores are like that. I mean, you score 60, sure. 70 points a game. So that would definitely be the case. Um it's it's the uh, people ask me a lot too. Like, do people play with pads? Is it like flag football? Is that what you mean? It's like, no, we're running around hitting each other and stuff. So good times, a lot of good memories from those days. But uh, but now here you are. You you have your doctorate in leadership. You you've been researching, and I remember actually, you know, as as you've been serving on our team for for a while, for more than a year, you you were in the middle of writing this book. And I remember you taking that time to just kind of really pull back and make sure, especially in those last days of writing, you there was a, a lot of work put into this work that you've put out. So people I have a couple friends who are writing books and they're like, how long is it going to take me to finish? You know, I'm at this point, what do you think? And 
you know, I ask him like, well, how good do you want it to be? Because you can get it done tomorrow, right? Just snap your fingers and say it's done. But uh, if you want something to really be proud of, it's probably going to take a while. And I didn't know when I started, this would take me a full three years, but it did. And um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm, I'm proud of what's come out the other side. Looking back on on your years, you know, on leadership and different situations you've been in, what what was a, a moment where there was a seemingly like a failure that ended up propelling you forward? I have a lot of failures. So the question is, which one to narrow down to? Um, but I'll share one that I talk about in the book, and that was my failure as a softball coach. So pre-leadership, executive coaching, I was an assistant softball coach at the collegiate level. And, you know, maybe when people hear that, they think, oh, wow, Josh, you must have been some phenomenal athlete to, you know, be a, co a coach while you were in college. That's pretty great. But no, nothing could be further from the truth. I was like the Michael Scott of assistant softball coaches, <laughs> totally unqualified, but just like super cheap. And so I was, I really struggled because I was so incompetent and I tried to compensate for my lack of competence with confidence and it just was not working. These softball women saw through it and we just, but it heads all the time and had so much drama. And so it was at that moment of like desperation of, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is not working. That I came across Brad, who we talk about in the book, who was this humble leader. And he lived out leadership in a way that I had not seen it done before and got better results than I could have imagined, despite the fact that he also didn't have a ton of experience in the sport. And so that was like what I needed in that moment to say, oh my gosh, wow, this this is a new way that I need to be considering. And so had I not been at that sp spot of desperation, I probably would have ignored it. But because I was so hungry, that helped me start this journey of, of obsession with humble leadership, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I, I love that story. I love how you set that up in the book. And, and thanks for sharing that here, because it does seem like for you, it was one of those aha moments that really did propel you forward. And, and like you just said, it made you open to hear a new idea, a new way. So that became the genesis of years later. Here you are talking about humbler leadership and you, you've written this book called Humbler Leadership. So take a minute to unpack for us. What do you mean by humbler leadership? How do you summarize that? When, when I started this research process a few years ago, I really wanted to figure out what does research say about humility? Because, you know, I, I'm a Christian. And so I, I kind of had the uh, faith-driven perspective on this. But as I'm working with coaching clients, you know, they come from all range of backgrounds. And so when I, I wanted to write a book that really captured the essence of humility for people from any, any perspective. And so I wanted grounded in research, not in any kind of particular spiritual tradition. And so I went to research to figure out what is, what do they say about humility? How do they define it? And really there were four different elements of humble leadership that emerged. The first is an accurate self-perception. And this is a, a bit different than what we often think of with humility. We, we often think that there's arrogant people who think too highly of themselves. And then there's humble people who think too little of themselves. Um, but the reality is research bears this out that humble people actually have the most accurate view of themselves. They understand where they're weak for sure, but they also understand their strengths and they're confident in those areas. Um, and it's that, that seeing themselves in right relation to other people in the world that, they, that starts to that foundation of humility. Um, the second piece is appreciating others' strengths and contributions. 
So once I understand my limitations accurately, I start to realize, wow, I really need this person on my team. I really am so grateful for my wife because now I know what she puts up with, right? And if I'm not grounded in reality, I'll either think that, you know, I deserve it because I think too highly of myself or I'll think, oh my gosh, you know, woe is me. No one would ever want to do anything for me, right? And I'm just so, I'm so self-absorbed on that uh, end of the continuum. Um, so those are the first two. The, the third is a growth mindset. This hunger to learn, this uh, desire to learn from anybody. Uh, th- these leaders are immensely teachable. And again, part of it is because they recognize, yeah, I, I can always grow and get better. I've always got room to improve. And I've seen how I've changed over time. And that, that's the most accurate view of themselves. And then the last is a greater purpose. Um, Rick Warren says that true humility is not thinking uh, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's what we see in the level five leaders that Jim Collins talks about in Good to Great is that they had this driving ambition, but it was never about themselves. It was always about something bigger than themselves, their, their team or their family or the organizations or a cause. And so that's the catalyst that gets these people who maybe would otherwise be content to kind of sit quietly on the sidelines. It's what propels them to step up and, and engage and have difficult conversations. And so in a nutshell, it's those four things. But the, the humbler part of it, uh, the idea here is that is that all of us, no matter how incredibly humble we are or humble we aren't, we can all become a little bit humbler every day. And, and again, again, one of the misconceptions with humility is it's one of the things you either have or you don't. And the truth is that all of us can take some small steps every day to become a little bit humbler. And so I really focus on the 10 practices you can use to become a little bit humbler every day uh, in the book. I remember from the book, and you just mentioned Jim Collins, um, that some of his, you know, some of his work actually helped provide, like, it's almost like you're standing on his shoulders, taking an idea that he, he put out there and you're saying, okay, let's go a little deeper on this. Cause Jim's saying this is important. So make that connection. What, what was it that Jim was saying that you're building upon? Not surprisingly, when, when good to great comes out in 2001 and sells, you know, whatever, 32 million copies, I think it was. People understandably want to know, okay, great. How do I become a level five leader? And he answered this question in an article he wrote for Harvard Business Review. He just said, I don't know. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we know it's important. It's, it's a part of great leadership. But short of you going back in time and, and having different parents or going through cancer or having a religious conversion, I frankly don't know. And I could, I could give you ideas, but they would just be that, like unsubstantiated ideas. And so since Collins wrote that, you know, 22 years ago, there's been two decades of research and practice that have helped people become humbler. And so I wanted this book to give an update and say, okay, great. You know, Jim, let's pick up the time where you left off and let's take it the next distance, which is helping each of us take a step further in the direction of that humble leadership. You know, that, that really points to, and I love that story too, kind of from the meta narrative of, yes, you, you know, you took something and and you're able to build on it, but also there's there's this meta narrative in there of we as leaders are standing on the shoulders of other leaders. We, we want to represent them. We want to kind of emulate what they've taught us, but also it gives us opportunities to make that our starting point and then move that baton just a little bit further. And so great. Thank you for adding to that knowledge and, and answering, beginning to answer that question of how to become more humble. So, by the way, I'm, uh, I love your book so much. I, you know, I've already purchased, I think I got a, a, 
notice today, I think it's it's like in the mail, like arrived. We got a case of books. I'm giving uh, a book to every one of our clients. So uh, thank you for providing that. I think it's going to be a real benefit to uh, the people in that we work with. So there you go. There's my endorsement right there. I'm I'm already <laughs> buying books. I'm thrilled that you enjoyed it. And I hope our uh, operators and owners benefit from it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know they will. I know they will. So, you know, one, one of the key things too about being a leader is and you, you and I have been aware of this as we work with leaders. We hear often that as you move the organization, and as you get higher up in the organization, you can get to a place of loneliness, right? Because there are certain things that then become topics that really you can't talk openly about and you can't be, uh, of course, they're transparent as good leaders, but there are some things that still have to be guarded. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a worry or concern or uh, a future thinking or a change. And so those are things they can't share with their team and it becomes very lonely. How can a leader guard against that type of loneliness? I think you address that in your book as well. Yeah. Well, one of the, the 10 practices of becoming humbler is this idea of inviting other people in, uh, inviting people in to help us see our blind spots, to encourage us, to challenge us. You know, we were, we were made to do life in community and life together. And it's not something that just you, you fall into. You've got to cultivate it. And it's no surprise today that so many people are lonely and, and disconnected, regardless whether they're a leader or not. And that's only gets worse, I can imagine, as you get further up in the organization. And so, you know, for, for me personally, there's a, a couple of disciplines that, that I have in my life. We, you know, we, we meet with a couple of other families weekly for discussion and uh, just to do life together, to share dinner together, to, to celebrate my book launch when that happened, you know, so just, just to kind of journey together and, and be there for each other. Um, I meet with some guys for uh, accountability on Monday mornings. That's been hugely powerful. And in fact, when I was writing this book, I I said, you know what? It's it's easy for me as a as a business owner to just kind of go off on my own and make my own decisions because you know I, I don't have a board of directors holding me accountable. But I want to make sure that I really do this right. And so I asked a couple of guys to come over to my house on a Tuesday night, and then I gave them my business plan. Here's my goals. Here's my budget for this. Poke holes. Tell me if you think I'm going about this in the wrong way. And they asked some great clarifying questions and, and made some suggestions to really help me uh, focus in on the, the real intent of this, this project to not get my ego wrapped up in everything. And so, yeah, as I look at the man I've become over the last couple of years, you know, I feel like I can draw a line to every positive change and connect it back to a person. And, and a lot of those were people that I intentionally brought in because I said, I want to become more like this person. So how do I spend more time with them and learn from them? So they shape me in the, the direction I want to become. I love it. No, that's a beautiful picture of not just surrounding yourself with people that are just going to be yes people and just going to agree, but actually they, they'll challenge you. And in, in just that picture of transparency of saying, okay, here it all is, poke holes in this and ask me tough questions. So yeah, that that'd be that's a that's great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, and and you mentioned the idea of challenge. I, I love this idea from Adam Grant. He talks about your support network, which I think we're all familiar with the, the people who are cheerleaders for you. But you also need the challenge network, the people who are just the no BS people, and they're going to call you on your stuff. And um, 
I, I just saw a James Clear quote today where he said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase that if we want to get good at accepting feedback, we need to be more afraid of having blind spots than hearing about our blind spots. And it's that same idea. Like I'm, I am, I'm not afraid of many things, but I am afraid that like I'll accidentally plagiarize someone in my book or I'll say something offensive to someone or, you know, I'll waste 10 years of my life chasing my own empire building. And so, gosh, I really want to get that right. And to do that, I'd rather hear about it now than hear about it in five years. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's the same idea. I want those challengers close to me to help me get better because I really want to grow. So let's talk to the people, though, in the room on this. You know, they're listening here that maybe they look at the title of your book and they go, you know what, that that just seems kind of like cotton candy to me. I'm not so sure that's an important part of leadership. But what are some of those? First of all, like what are some of those challenging questions that you've heard? And then how do you address them? Well, for folks that don't come predisposed to humility, it can feel like a stupid idea or just downright dangerous. I mean, I've heard some leaders say, you know, I'm not going to admit weakness to my team. Like that's ridiculous. They're not going to respect me. And I totally get that because that's exactly how I felt when I was that insecure softball coach 15 years ago. But the research and experience just does not bear that out. Uh, you know, there's a ton of research from Brad Owens and, and some of his colleagues that show that humble leaders build stronger teams because they're willing to admit their mistakes and, and to draw out the best ideas from other folks. Because um, it's not about them just looking right all the time. They'd rather get it right than try to look like they're right. Um, and as a result, their team is more engaged because they think, oh, my ideas actually matter. My contributions are valued. So I'm going to give my best here. Um, there's research by Amy O where they studied uh, uh, humble CEOs and found that humble CEOs produce better financial uh, returns for their companies. Um, because when the CEO had an idea, they weren't surrounded by yes men and yes women. They challenged their ideas and they got better decisions out of that process. They made better strategic choices. And so for folks who feel like, yeah, this is just a bunch of cotton candy to use your words. It can feel like that at first because it's not the model of leadership that we've historically celebrated. We tend to hold up the brash, confident uh, folks, maybe because of our own insecurity. We like that someone's insecure. We wish we had a little bit of that. But and, and to be fair, those people can find success that Jim Collins said as much in Good to Great, that a lot of the competitor companies had the those geniuses at the top. But it's the difference of being a genius versus a genius maker. And humble leaders are the genius makers. They make everyone else smarter around them. And so when they leave their position, those companies continue to have success because, you know, the, the one brain for the whole organization didn't just retire. They built other people up around them because they're invested into the, the flourishing and the growth and development of, of not just their own narrative and their own publicity, but of the people around them, of the organizations, of the systems. And as a result, they have longer term success that benefits everybody in a much more substantial way. As you put it like that, it, it sounds like it becomes kind of a leadership currency. Like you're spending this on your team and you're, you're actually taking that value that you might want to put on yourself, like by showing overconfidence, you're actually spending that value on other people saying, I value you. And, and it, it raises everyone's value. I can see how that would play out. And the other, as I listen to that too, the other thing that kind of stands out is it comes across so much more genuine 
it's really hard to fake you i mean after a while you're gonna get found out if you're faking humility right well i'm i'm hoping our all of our clients will be read your book because especially you know that i i believe it's one of the big keys to culture development is to start with that place of humility and thank you for giving them just a to breaking breaking that down in such a way that it makes it actionable i mean you think about okay become more humble that's that's hard to act upon right but you've given actually a, a strategy and a way to measure and, and to see progress so you mentioned earlier this idea that you don't just jump from non-humility to humility one you know one day you're not humble and the next day you are humble how how do you move what what are is, is a strategy in moving closer to humility like any kind of growth in life it's it's a slow process for the most part it's rare that you just get struck with a lightning bolt and change overnight and and it's actually this do become flywheel where what i do does something to me and i become more of this kind of person which means i naturally do that kind of thing more become more of that kind of person. And so part of becoming humbler is, is almost just showing up and faking it till you make it. Not faking it in a false humility sort of way, but doing the things that humble leaders do, knowing that that will do something to me in return. And so one of the ideas that I've heard just a lot of readers respond back and say, wow, this really resonated with me was uh, the humility paradox. And this is connected to that accurate self-perception piece. And a paradox, as you probably know, is two seemingly contradictory ideas that when you take them together are true. And the humility paradox is that humble leaders are highly aware of two things. First, they're highly aware of the gifts they've received and they're aware of their shortcomings, of their limitations. And the more aware they are of both of those things at the same time, the more humble they are. So as I, for instance, as I think about all the cognitive biases I have in my life, how quick I am to make assumptions or, um, or all of the limitations to my knowledge or my skills or whatever, man, it's, it really takes my confidence down a notch because I recognize, shoot, I'm not nearly as independent or effective as I think I am. But when I add to that, the, that high awareness of those gifts, I recognize, wow, I, I've had, you know, you, you mentioned the people that you stand on the shoulders of. I had parents who sacrificed so I could go to college and be the first person in my family to get a four-year college degree. I had so many researchers who've worked, you know, tediously on research articles to lay the, the philosophical and the evidence foundations for me to write this book. I've got kids that are, that forgive me whenever I snap at them, you know? And so all those things together. And as I, as I walk further down those two paths and become more and more aware of my gifts and my limitations at the same time, humility grows in the gap between. And so just one really practical thing for our listeners today, I'd say is establish that habit of reflecting daily on those two things and okay. especially the gratitude. Um, Michael Ramsey says that uh, thankfulness is a soil in which pride does not easily grow. And so the more thankful and grateful you are, the more that humility is going to take root. That's one really powerful thing you could do today. I love it. I love it. Say that quote again. Thankfulness is the soil in which pride does not easily grow. Man. Okay. That'll, thank you for that. That's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Josh, I love the book. I'm, I'm, I'm buying the book for friends. I'm giving it away. Thank you for giving time for this show. Thank you for serving with our team and with all the other things you have going on. Thank you for serving our clients so well and getting down to the nitty gritty and, and the executive coaching and group coaching that you do for us. So 
it's really a privilege to have to work with you. You've challenged me. You helped me to grow. We've, you know, we've had our moments where you learn from each other and, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for being a friend on this journey of leadership and let's uh, figure out how to be a little bit more humbler each day. <laughs> well, and I, I want to say too, thank you, uh, Jay, because you gave me an opportunity to start coaching with you a couple of years ago and it really accelerated my growth not just the, the chance to work with our great clients, but the other coaches that you've, you've got at Leaders Q and, and you as well. I mean, y'all have got so much experience here. I've just grown so substantially from this process and continue to enjoy that. So thank you for everything you've done for me. Oh man, you're a big asset. Love having you on the team. Thanks for being on the show. Let's do this again on your next book, right? <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right. See you soon. Take care. Hey, if you're looking for a link to this book, to buy this book today, there is a link in the show notes. It is joshwymore.com forward slash humbler, H-U-M-B-L-E-R. Go in, follow that link, buy the book, share it with a friend, become a little bit more humbler each day. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time. We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.